of the story is, listen to your parents, everybody. Well, good morning. We are so glad you're here this morning as we continue in our series, Unwrapped, The World Within the Words. And if you've been with us over the last few weeks, you know the concept behind this series is really really pretty simple. Um, There are some Hebrew words that if you really understood them, like really knew them, they could have the power to change your life. And I think as we've been looking at some of these words over the last few weeks, you have come to understand that there are more to these words than meet the eye. And so we will say a word and you will think, oh, I understand that word. But very quickly you see that as we explain things, there are layers and layers of meaning that bring power and life and blessing to your relationship with God. And so they have to be unwrapped and unpacked. Well, today we are going to unwrap another Hebrew word, only we're going to do it in a very special and fun kind of way. Um, Every so often around here, we will do something called five for five. And what that means is we kind of gather some teachers and some speakers from our Crosswinds family and from our staff, and each teacher has five minutes. So five people have five minutes to kind of teach and talk about the subject for the day. Now, the last time we did this, we did this on um, Good Friday a couple of years ago and about burnt down our grove that Sunday or that Friday when we did it. You guys remember that? Um, So it's been a minute since we've done it, but we're bringing it back today. But don't worry, we called our fire marshal and he is he's on standby this morning. (laughs) Well, the reason that we love to do a five for five every now and then is because we really value the voices in our community And I love it when they share about their experience with God. And we get to see God actually step in and do what he does best, and that is change lives. And so that's what our teachers are going to do today. They are going to talk about how our Hebrew word for the day has actually played out in their life. And not just played out, but changed and blessed them for the better. Stories are powerful, aren't they? Wouldn't you agree that stories are so powerful? And I think more than anything else, sometimes stories are the most effective at bringing out meaning that is hidden in something as simple as a Hebrew word. And so our teachers are going to unwrap our word for the day again by showing you how that word has shown up in their lives and changed it. So that's how we're going to unwrap our word for today, but the first thing that you need to know is the actual word, right? I need to tell you what the word is, and so I'm going to be one of your five today, and I am going to tell you what the word is and briefly explain it, all right? So our word for today, the word is Shema, okay? Everybody say that with me, Shema, okay? And at its very basic level, the word Shema means to hear, to hear, okay? Um, If you are a parent sitting here this morning, you are very familiar with this word in its various forms. See if you can relate, all right? Have you ever asked your kids to like pick up their clothes off the floor or um, do their dishes or at least put them in the dishwasher or, or take out the garbage? And very often this is the response that you get like a big fat nothing, right? It is not uncommon to get no response. And when there's no response, what do you do as a parent? You tend to repeat yourself. 
And it's in the repeating of the ask that we often hear the word here in its various forms. See if these sound familiar. Mom, I heard you the first time, right? Or dad, I am not deaf, I heard you. Or mom, don't nag me, I've got ears, I can, I can hear you, all right? Well, for every parent out there who gets accused of being a nag, I am telling you this morning that this Hebrew word can change your life. So listen carefully. When you repeat yourself time and time again, and there is no response because your request has gone unmet, let me be the first one to tell you that this is not nagging. Repeating yourself over and over is not nagging on your part. This is actually your children not hearing. Even though they have told you a million times, mom, dad, I heard you, they are actually not hearing. And here is why. In the Hebrew mind, there is a huge difference between listening and hearing. Listening is when you sit and you kind of take in information but you don't necessarily do anything with it. You just kind of sit and you take it in and you don't act on it. But hearing is very different. The way the Hebrew mind understood this word shema, which was to hear, was that not only do you take the information in, but you also act on it. You have to respond to what you hear. In the Hebrew mind, you cannot hear without response. You cannot hear without acting. And that response could be any number of things. You could respond in understanding. You could respond in action. You could respond in worship or with thanksgiving or gratitude. But in the Hebrew world, you have not totally heard someone until you have responded with action. And that is what you're about to hear from our teachers today. Each one of them is going to tell you about a time in their lives when they shemad God, when they didn't just listen to what he said and just kind of sat on it, but they responded by taking action. And you're going to see through their stories how this word shema is not just a word your kids get to use when they're trying to get out of doing chores or tell you to stop nagging them, but it is a powerful word that has the power to change the entire trajectory of someone's life and someone's story. And I am so excited for you to hear from them this morning. And so, Crosswinds, would you please join me in giving a warm welcome to our first teacher, Sarah Holstra. Well, good morning, Crosswinds. I am so happy to be with you. My name is Sarah Holstra, and I'm the counseling pastor here. So I first became a Christian in high school through my youth group. Um, I had the best youth pastor, and he saw me and developed me and discipled me and saw my leadership gifting. And he, he even gave me um, my first opportunity ever to teach um, at youth group. It was the week that I graduated from high school. So he made a huge impact on me. And so as a high schooler, um, I decided to change my college plans. My college plans revolved around basketball at that point. Um, but I changed them to go to a small Christian school and study Bible and ministry. Um, I loved 
Bible school. I loved it. I loved everything I got to learn, and my commitment to God just deepened as I, as I learned and as I figured out that I love scripture and I love teaching it to other people. So I, I never really felt a call to ministry, kind of the way you hear people talk about it, where there wasn't this big, significant moment. Uh, it was more like a gradual, continual invitation. Um, so I just knew that God had this plan for me and that we were sort of walking hand in hand. So hearing God meant depending on him daily for wisdom, um, listening to him, was, it was actually pretty easy. It was pretty simple. Then I uh, got out of college. I started my very first post-college ministry job at a local church um, in their high school ministry. So the youth pastor there that I worked with, he and I had grown up together in the same town doing ministry together. So we already, right off the bat, we had a great rhythm. We co-led, we co-taught, we did a lot of things kind of back and forth. Um, and we just had a blast doing it. It was sort of a dream job. Um, but in this time, I had so little comprehension of the criticism that leaders face. I, I just didn't understand it. And I really didn't understand the women in leadership controversy. What I unintentionally did in this role was jump into the deep end of that pool without floaties. Because right at that moment when I was leading and teaching and feeling bold, um, that's when the comment cards started coming in. And then the, the emails started, and then the phone calls, and then I started getting in-person comments from parents um, after youth group. Um, and there was so much criticism about everything I did and said, seriously everything, from the word choices that I made in my sermons, um, to my tone of voice when I teach, to my clothing options, even, I, I'm telling you, everything, to the color of my hair. I got criticism about everything. To say this was a rude awakening to what it meant to be a woman in ministry would be an understatement. I didn't know that this church hadn't had a female leader before, um, and I just didn't expect the hostility that I, had, that I received. I just wasn't prepared for it. I didn't realize there were so many people in the church who thought that women shouldn't be leading and teaching and preaching. I, gosh, I, I just wasn't prepared that my hearing God and responding was gonna be so harshly challenged. I, I was hurt and I was insecure and I was embarrassed. I felt ashamed at how boldly I had come into this, how so confidently I'd stepped into this role. And I, I suddenly found myself shrinking back. Um, I stopped saying yes to teaching opportunities and I started to sort of take a, a behind the scenes role in, in how the youth group was led. I, I had thought that if I was listening to God, if I was responding, that people in the church would, would notice that and that they would love and support me, and I found myself to be wrong in that. <laughs> Have you ever felt that way, that you thought you were doing what God had asked you to do, and then you met unexpected criticism or, or resistance to that? That's, it's so discouraging. And, and that's how I felt until I, I heard a story about a woman named Deborah. So since I had become a Christian in high school, there was a lot of Bible stories that were still unfamiliar to me because I didn't grow up with them, and especially in the Old Testament, and, and Deborah was one of them. Now, I, I don't have enough time to tell you all of the amazing things about Deborah from our scriptures, um, but let me tell you, she was awesome. Um, she was a judge. She was a leader of Israel. She was someone who the people of God went to her to have God's wisdom spoken and have their disputes resolved. 
She was known for being someone who listens, who shamas, and who tells the people of God what, what God said. She led without any fear, or if, maybe she had fear, but she hid it really well. And she led the people of God into victory again and again and again. So reading the story um, about Deborah in the book of Judges was the way that God spoke to me about my own leadership. Um, God pointed out that if Deborah had shrunk back and played small, um, the people of God wouldn't have been led the way that he wanted them to be, which was by her. She was called to those particular people at that particular time, and it was her job to be obedient. And so God asked me this question, Sarah, are you going to play small or are you going to step up? And in that moment, I knew that my response was going to have big implications for my life. I wish I could say that I immediately shimmed and responded with boldness and courage. But the truth is, the story of Deborah and this question from God lit this spark within me that has been growing and growing over the last 15 years. Each time I feel afraid of the criticism or nervous that I'm not going to live up to expectations, I remind myself of Deborah's courage and her faithfulness, and I resolve to continue to hear God and to respond to his invitation and to remember that he is the one who's in charge. Thank you. Good morning, Crosslands. It is an absolute pleasure to be here with you this morning. I am the director of kids ministry, so normally I am on the other side of campus on the deck. Just last week, I did a sermon where I put my face in an angel, in Mary, and in Elizabeth to tell the story of um, when Gabriel appeared to Mary. So it's just kind of nice to be able to talk with you this morning and not try and have to engage your children, though they're great. I love that. Um, but, it, but it really is great to share a little bit of my story with you this morning. And I'd like to start off with sharing a lyric from one of my favorite worship songs, Graves Into Gardens. Now, this song is full of incredible lyrics, but this one stands out the most to me. The God of the mountain is the God of the valley. Let me say that again. The God of the mountain is the God of the valley. And the reason why this lyric resonates with me so deeply is because there was a time in my life when I thought I was never going to come out of the valley. I grew up knowing about God and knowing that he loved me, but what I didn't have at this time was a firm, strong foundation in my faith. At 14, I didn't quite have the understanding that fully trusting God and knowing that he is with me through every trial and tribulation. In fact, eight years ago, when I was a freshman in high school, It was incredibly difficult for me to feel God. Truthfully, I thought he left me completely, skipped town, and was like, eh, deal with this on your own. Because where is he when you're falling to the ground in your dad's arms, begging and crying not to go to school? Where is he when you feel like there's a barrier at the threshold of your bedroom door, and if you walk past it, your world is going to end? Let me rephrase these questions. Where is God in my depression and anxiety? Does he see me? Is he making me feel this way? If God loves me so much, why am I suffering? Now at 22 years old, I am so proud to say, yes, God sees me. No, God wasn't making me depressed. And I suffered so that I could become stronger in the person I am today. It says so in 1 Peter 5.10. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered 
a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. I can't tell you how many times my mom would just tell me to pray about it, to tell God my problems because he's listening. I wasn't. Any talk of God at this time had me rolling my eyes. Remember, I was 14 years old, had hormonal acne, and just totally unconvinced that God could fix my depression by praying about it. One of our church values here is pray like it depends on God and act, take action like it depends on you. So what did that mean for me exactly? Well, it started with therapy and then medication and finally letting God back into my life. Not that he was ever gone or absent, I just didn't have my ears tuned in to what he was saying. Going back to this verse in 1 Peter, I just look at, you have, after you have suffered a little while, he will restore you, make you strong, firm, steadfast. Here he is acknowledging my suffering and giving me a purpose with it. When I wanted to give up on my fight, when I was hopeless, God said, no, I am not finished with you yet. I walked you through your darkest valley so that you could share your story. As I heard God tell me that there was a purpose for my hurt, I responded by wanting to share my story. I joined this incredible local mental health organization called Z Cares. And Z Cares aims to end the stigma around mental health by simply talking about it, by offering hope to those who have very little or none at all. There's another verse in Romans. It says, but we also glory in our sufferings. There's that word again. Because you know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. I want you to remember that word, hope, because it's important. I had the opportunity to be in Z Cares' first ever documentary. It features four students, including myself, where we share our stories of mental health and how we overcame them. It's called Stories of Hope. Look at me now. And we are actually an award-winning indie film, so cheers to that. Thanks. <laughs> we have done a few test screenings, including one at the Bankhead Theater a couple of months ago. And it is truly an indescribable feeling when a young middle schooler comes up to you and says, your story was my favorite. I resonated with you the most. It's going to help me tell my parents how I'm feeling. That right there, that's hope. And maybe that's what you need to hear today. Maybe you needed to hear my story in order to hear God in your own. God wants us to hear that he is still good even when our circumstances are not. Our response is to embrace his goodness and remember that he is the God of the mountain and he is the God of the valley. Good morning. I get to tell you about a time when I moved from the booming metropolis of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan to Kalamazoo, Michigan. Now, don't say bless you because that wasn't a sneeze. Those are actually town names, okay? From Saskatoon to Kalamazoo. So we were living in Saskatoon and I went down and we interviewed at a church in Kalamazoo. Felt like God was calling us there to partner with the, with the pastor at the church. It was growing. Things were going awesome. They offered us the position while we were still down there. And so I accepted the position. And then we moved. We went back to Canada and we began the process of collecting boxes and uh, packing. I gave my notice where I was working up there. Um, 
I gave our notice where we were living, and so we were ready to go. And now to make it fun for the kids, what we did is we would pack boxes and we would have them build a wall in the living room. So we were building kind of like a, a moving box fort, right? And so one night we were sitting around in the living room. This is about four or five days before we were supposed to move. And we heard this familiar, this noise, and it went like this. Yeah. You guys might, some of you might recognize that. That is Skype. That's the noise for Skype. Skype was Zoom before Zoom was Zoom, right? And so we heard this. My wife and I flipped up the laptop, and it was the pastor from the church in Michigan, in Kalamazoo. And right away, we knew something was wrong. We, we saw his wife off to the side. She didn't think that we could see her, but we could. She was crying. She had tears streaming down her face. He was like as white as a ghost, and he started the conversation with, Mike, Aaron, this is the hardest call I've ever had to make. And right then, you know, our, our hearts went into our throats, and we were like, uh-oh, what's going on? And so what had happened is he, he through, through a, a series of uh, hard-fought sentences, he came to tell us that the budget of the church was wrong, and they actually didn't have as much money as they thought they did, and so they had to rescind our offer, their offer for us to move, and we couldn't move because they just didn't have the money to pay me. Now, keep in mind, literally behind us are all the boxes of, of our stuff packed. We've given our notice. We're supposed to leave in like four or five days to go down there, and he calls us and says, we, we can't hire you. We don't have enough money. Needless to say, we were a little shocked, and um, the, the trajectory of where we saw our lives going took a hard right, and we had no idea what was going on. We didn't know what we were doing, and uh, came to find out that the, the church had two homes. Uh, they lived in one, and he said, well, you guys can come if you want to for whatever reason. I don't know why you'd want to come, but if you want to come, you can come and you can live in the house, you'll have to be bivocational. And so what that meant is that I would just find a job outside of the church uh, doing something, and then I could work, you know, 10 or 15 hours uh, a week at the church. And so I said, well, uh, let us pray about it, and uh, we'll give you a call back in a day, and uh, we'll let you know what we come up with. So we closed the computer, we looked at each other, we had a good cry, we said, what are we doing? I don't know what we're doing. We prayed, and, and one of our um, family verses is found in James. Um, it's James 2, verse 17, and it says, In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And so this is something that we tried to live by as a family. And so as we prayed about it, we really felt still, we felt called to go and, and minister to the people in Kalamazoo and partner with this church and this pastor and this ministry. And so we flipped open the computer, we gave him a call and we said, no, we're coming. We're going to come. God's called us. He's not going to call us to something and then not provide for us somehow. We didn't know how that was going to be. We didn't know what that was going to look like, but we said, we're coming. So this was on a on a Thursday or Friday, and it took us several days to get down there. So one of the days was a Sunday. Um, and so we got there, we pulled in on like a Monday or Tuesday, we pulled into the driveway, and the first thing the pastor says is he says, Mike, you'll never guess what happened. I was like, okay, what? So he says, on Sunday while you guys were traveling, I spoke on the idea of faith. We used you guys as an example, and the church decided they wanted to take up a special offering just for you guys. And so I was like, awesome, what, is that, what does that mean? You know, I'm excited. He says, well, 
they gave, and we have six months of the salary that we offered you in the bank ready for you. So you don't have, you have six months to find a job. I was like, awesome. So we moved in, things were great. And um, about a week and a half after working there, I went out to get the mail. I threw it on the pastor's desk. I went to my office. He came in with a big grin on his face and he threw something, an envelope on my, on my desk. And he says, guess what? I was like, what? He says, somebody at the church that used to go here, you've never met, they moved before you guys came. He saw the message online and he, they decided to hear the voice of God and they decided to listen. And that was the other six months of my yearly salary given in a check just like that because somebody heard the voice of God and decided to listen. And so my encouragement to you guys is that sometimes I think that we, we say we have faith in God, right? And then we do everything we can to avoid using that faith. And so what I wanna tell you today is that sometimes you're gonna miss the blessings of God and the provision of God because you don't shema the voice of God. So be sure and shema the voice of God. Well, good morning, Crosswinds fam. I got her. Thank you, Sin. All right. Um, I am so incredibly honored and blown away, really, to be with you this morning and share this next five minutes. Now, there's a very short seven-word Bible verse snippet that's been the center of my life for the past two and a half years. The snippet is from Psalm 37, verse 3, and it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. That's it. Seven words, and for me, they've made all the difference. Trust in the Lord and do good. Now, I have three brief parts of my life to share with you. For any one part, I could talk about for hours. So I'll just give you the highlights and some lowlights as we go along. So part one of the story I call listening but not hearing. Now, I was raised Catholic, and I'm a product of Catholic education. And when I was in elementary school, I was an altar boy and listened to the Spirit's invitation to become a priest. Now, I felt that calling and that tug toward religious life even at that young age. Unfortunately, I was the victim of mental abuse at my parish's priest. And I was brought up to believe that the priest was Christ's representation on earth, and as a result, I changed my mind about being a priest. I changed my mind about the Catholic Church. I walked away from the church and away from God, and ultimately, I decided the spirit must be wrong, and I stopped listening. Now, fast forward several years, and I found Crosswinds, my church home since 1998. My then wife and I were in a, a couple's Bible study on the purpose-driven life. You might remember that. And again, I listened to the whispers of the spirit calling me to pastoral life, excited because I never thought I'd receive another invitation and so I told my wife about it. And she responded by telling me that she did not want to be a pastor's wife. So I had a decision to make between my God and my wife. Um, I chose my wife and I stopped listening. Now shortly after that, the marriage didn't last. And again, I concluded that not only was the spirit wrong, but the spirit was wrong about me. And I felt God would never call me again. Now part two of the story is called Ida's Gift. Now, four years ago, I was serving Thanksgiving dinner to a group of the unhoused in the Tenderloin District in, in San Francisco. During the service, I met Ida. 
Now, we had a great conversation, and I even snuck her an extra helping of dessert. Uh, while I was back in the kitchen cleaning up, Ida called me back out to the dining room, and she grabbed my hand, and she said, I have a song that God told me to sing to you, and Ida sang me a song about trusting God. During her song, I had two epiphanies. One was, wow, here is this lady who has no possessions, seemingly nothing to give, and she's given me a gift from her heart. Cue thoughts of the little drummer boy. I was overwhelmed. Second, because Ida was responding to God's call, a Bible story came to mind from 1 Samuel. In this story, Samuel is awakened by the voice of someone calling him, and he runs to his teacher, Eli, and Eli says, it's not me. And by the second time this has happened, Eli realized that it was God calling Samuel and said, when you hear it again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. But when you read it in the original Hebrew, it actually says, speak, Lord, for your servant hears, your servant Shema. Now, look, I can't even begin to unpack a, a verse God put in my head four years ago for a message to share with you today. Mine's kind of blown around that. Now, Ida heard God tell her to sing her song to me, and she was obedient and faithful to what she heard. And in this picture with me and Ida, what you can't tell is I'm really bawling my eyes out uh, because I was so blown away. And I decided in that moment that if God ever honored me with another invitation to serve him and his people, my answer would be, speak, Lord, your servant, Shema. And that leads to part three of the story I call the call up. And I'm not talking about calling up as on your mobile phone. I'm talking in the context of moving from the minor leagues up to the major leagues. So two and a half years ago, a series of life events happened to me simultaneously. And when I say life events, I mean life events. I mean the death of a parent, the ending of a long-term relationship, job loss, and empty nester syndrome. Now, amid all these things, I felt a calm assurance of God whispering to me. And I even had lunch with Chris Coley and said, I said, dude, am I crazy? And Chris said to me, you know, maybe God is clearing your plate for what he has in mind for you. And his words hit me as truth. And in that moment, I said, speak, Lord, your servant, Shema. God had chosen to invite me again, and I wasn't going to pass up um, anything at this point in time. And I said yes before I even realized what the invitation was. Now, my heart and passion have always been focused on serving the underserved, the marginalized, the oppressed, and the forgotten. So two and a half years ago, I started my nonprofit, Consultancy. And my biggest yay happened this summer during Livermore's Juneteenth celebration. I went, and what I didn't realize until I got there was four of my nonprofits were participating. And as I looked around and witnessed their incredible work and the lives they were touching, I sat down and lifted my prayers of thanksgiving to God. And the words of Psalm 37, 3 echoed through my heart and my soul Trust in the Lord and do good. This is the blessing of Shema. Thanks for listening. Well, I trust that you have been blessed and encouraged this morning, yes? Yes. Can we thank our speakers one more time? Well, as you were listening this morning, um, maybe something started to stir in you a little bit. And maybe that stirring is coming 
because you know that God has been speaking to you about something. He's been whispering or maybe he's been yelling, but he has been talking to you. And maybe for a few minutes or for a very long time, you have been listening. Remember what listening is. You have been listening and not responding. Maybe you've been taking in those words that God is speaking to you and you've been listening to them and kind of just sitting on them. And so I just want to ask you this morning, what would it look like for you to begin to Shema God? What would it look like for you to begin to respond? And only you know what that thing is that he is asking you to trust him with. And so my encouragement to you this morning, their encouragement to you this morning, is to trust that if God is speaking, it is okay to act. It is okay to respond. In fact, it is better than okay. It is blessing. It is power. It is change. It is transformation in your life and in your experience with God. Let's stand together and let's pray as we leave this morning. God, we thank you so much for the way that you have worked in the lives of our teachers. And God, that is possible for each and every one of us. You are not a silent God. You speak. And I pray that you would give us the courage today not to just listen to you, but to really shema you, to hear you deeply and respond. Give us the courage, God. We love you. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you so much for coming this morning. We hope to see you at one of our Christmas Eve services this week.